What's up, guys? What is up, guys? If you guys know me from two years ago, I had this phase in my life where I used to go around saying what's up, guys, to everyone, and I made everyone do it around me. And every time I would post on Instagram or Snapchat, I would just say, what's up, guys? And it was kind of my signature. I mean, the patent is still pending, but definitely it was my signature thing. It was just like, what's up, guys? Like, maybe that's my password for some things. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not my password. Um, well, it. anyways. What's up, guys? Um, today is a very special episode, you know, because I appreciate everyone who's been sticking with me for nine, ten episodes now. Who knew? Who knew I would continue this for ten episodes? Actually, I did, but here's the thing. This is a very special episode to me because this has had this has been like the most impactful phase of my life, what I'm about to talk about. And I know I sound like every other American, oh, I studied abroad. No. Like this is this is a different experience because I didn't go to Europe. <laughs> like every single other person. And if you went to Europe, there's no hate on that. I will tell the story as to why I even wanted to um I'm basically going to get into my study abroad experience. Um, for those of you who don't know, which I don't know who that would be, but um, I studied abroad in Tokyo, Japan from August to December of 2018. And um, I study abroad was a very interesting process for me because I knew I live at home for college. I live at home. Um, and that was like, I, so I've never like lived away from home. So I was like, I know I'm going to study abroad. And my my dad travels a lot and we've traveled a lot as a family. And so like study abroad was always like, yes, like she's going to study abroad. I'm going to study abroad. My dad loves Singapore. And I had visited Singapore um, with him early 2017. And um, for those of you who don't know, like the schools in Singapore, I need to stop saying that. For those of you who don't know, that's so condescending. It's so rude. <laughs> it's really rude to say that. For those of you who don't know, um, for those of you who have never read a book, let me tell you because I know best and you don't know anything. That's so rude. I need to stop saying that. Point being, um, my goal initially was to study abroad in Singapore. And I applied to uh, my school, like, didn't have that program. So the school I go to, um, they are the number one school in the country for study abroad participation. So everybody studies abroad and they have a lot of different affiliations and all this stuff. And I actually worked in the study abroad office uh, two years ago, but that's just a fun fact. So, point being, I wanted to go to Singapore. And I applied to this. I was like, this place is amazing. It's a perfect mix of India and um, like Asian culture. And it's like really westernized and it's clean and it's metropolitan and it's like fantastic. It's a little small. It's smaller than San Diego, I feel like. But um, I was like, wow, this is great. So I um, applied to this university called, um, so basically my school did not have an affiliation with any, any program in Singapore, but I was like, well, you know what? I don't need you. I can do this on my own. Very aggressive move. 
on my part. And so I um, applied, like I, I was like going to take a leave of absence from my university. I was going to get into admission in a, in, a, in a university in Singapore. So I initially had applied to study abroad there um, from January to like, I was going to go from January to like May of 2018. So that was a very interesting process because I had to do everything on my own. So I didn't have like a liaison through the university who would like do all of that for me, which is fine. And But it was a very st- ext- like extenuating process, right? I had to get my own paperwork. I had to register everything on my own. I was like making phone calls to Singapore like once a week to the school there, which was NUS. Um, and it was a very, very hard school to get. And at the time I had a really good friend who was going to school with me from Singapore. And he was like, Ria, like it's a very hard school to get into, but you can try, you know, you never know. And so, um, and so I applied and it was one of those things where like, I felt like I had every obstacle in my way and I got through every obstacle in my way. Like there was a specific deadline. I needed like permission from certain like um, head of certain like academic departments and like just all of this crazy stuff that would not have happened if I'd gone through my school. And I had so many obstacles and I felt like, you know what, like I'm getting through every obstacle. I was like, this is God. This is God working his magic. Like I'm going to go. I'm going to get in. If, If I like there's so many things that could have stopped me and I got through every single one of them. And so I was like, there's no way I'm going to get rejected. Like, And the classes that I was taking weren't super helpful to my major, but like, and I would have been behind for graduation. There were a couple of downfalls, but I was like, it's Singapore. Like, why would I not? You know, it's fantastic. And I'd been there and I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I can do this. So I applied um, and everybody knew I was applying. Like, I was like, oh, Singapore. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to study abroad there. Like I told people, I was like, pray for me. Like, uh, you know, I was like super ready to go. And um, I heard back from them. I was like checking the portal every day. I was like responding. I called them, et cetera. They were like, oh, like the announcement should be out. And I checked in it and I, I got rejected from the from the school. And I was like, I was like in shock for like the first like five to ten minutes. I was in shock. And then I just like broke down and started crying. And, like, I think it was because I had really seen myself. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Singapore next semester, Singapore, Singapore. And now that I think about it, like, that was such a small part of my life. Like, I, it was, like, what, a couple of months that I had applied and that I was, like, hyped up to go there. Um, I think in the law, I mean, I'm super grateful now that I didn't go. But at the time, I was so devastated. And um, I'm just, like... Like, it, everything happens for a reason, I guess. And so um, that didn't go through. Then I called the school, and I was like, what happened? Why didn't I get in? Like, there's something wrong with my application. Like, what happened? They were like, um, you're just dumb. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they didn't say that. But they were like, you need a minimum of three classes, and we could only enroll you in two because, like, you didn't have this certain requirement for some other thing. And so it just, like, didn't work out. So I had to, like, rethink what I was going to do and where I was going to go. And all of my friends were going to Madrid. So we have a huge partnership with Madrid um, and our university. And like most of the kids go there. And like mostly, almost, I feel like almost everybody goes to Spain to study abroad. And um, 
I was like telling my dad, I was like, well, I can go to London. I can go to Spain. And I, I, I really wanted to go to China for some reason. I like love Asian culture. And I was like, I speak Mandarin. I don't at all. But I was just like, oh, I can go. Like, it's not going to be an issue. My dad was like, hell no. <laughs> he was like, you're not going to China. He was like, I'm not going to pay for you to go to Madrid. And then my dad and I basically fought for like months over where I was going to go because he was paying for it. And I didn't want to go to like a certain other school or like to another country. So he was like, you're going to Japan. And I was like, no, I've never been to Japan. I don't know anything about Japan. And I had friends who were like crazy about Japan. Like, you know, you know, those people, you know, those people, we, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The people who like teach themselves Japanese and like know every anime and know everything about the culture and the food and like are crazy about the matcha stuff, like those people. And so I had a lot of friends like that. And I didn't, I had like a one Japanese friend. I had like a few Japanese, I had two Japanese friends, but it was never, I was never like, oh, I'm going to study abroad in Japan. I was just like, I'm going to go to Europe and party with my friends. And my dad was like, I'm not going to pay for you to go and party and just waste your life. And I was like, well, joke's on you because I'm going to party wherever I go. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so that was kind of the situation. And he and I were we were just like back and forth and if you guys if you if you've ever met my father he and I are the same person so arguing with him is like arguing with myself it's like the circle you know like anything I say I, I I'm, I'm like you know that's a great argument because I would have said the same thing we're like the same person so it's like arguing with yourself you know so it's like not productive at all so finally then I was on board I was like okay you know what I have to make a decision I have to let the school know so all right let's just go to Japan and I was like I was like oh it's a program through temple and for some reason and like I don't know anything but my parents were like wow temple's a fantastic school you have to go through them I was like I have no other choice <laughs> I was like temple is the only school I can go through like great temple is good <laughs> I'm like okay I didn't know anything about temple um and so I ended up picking Japan and I wasn't like really like I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any expectations because I didn't know anything. And everyone told me, oh, everyone was like, are you sure like you want to go to Japan? Half. OK, everyone I told I want to go to Japan. Half the people said, wow, amazing. Best place ever. You're going to love it. Blah, blah, blah. The other half was like, um they don't speak any English. I was like, well, I mean, you know, is English really that valuable of a language? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I was like, okay, well, I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. I don't know what to tell you, you know? So um, my dad was like, it's great for you to have Japan study abroad for your, like, to market yourself in the business world and all of this stuff. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point. And um, so I was like, okay, I'll go. 
And one of my really good friends at the time when I was working at the study abroad office, um, Bianca, she is half Japanese, half um, Chinese, I think. I don't know. Or she's from Hong Kong. And she was half Japanese and she was like, I go to Japan all the time. Like she was just real, like get excited. Like it's going to be a really good time. Like I don't want you to be disappointed that you're going. And to be honest with you, like I didn't have any emotions about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Um, mouth noises. And so I was just like, you know, okay, like I'll just, I'll go. And so then I ended up deciding on Japan. Um, I spent the whole summer like interning at a company here in uh, up north from San Diego. And I wasn't really thinking about it. And actually, it's so funny because um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Anyways, I ended up going to Japan. I didn't, there was only one other girl from my school who was going. So there was like really no safety net, you know, like, I didn't know anybody there. I really didn't. I didn't I didn't know a single person. And I didn't know the language. And like I'm a very I feel like I'm a very adaptable person. But I have to say like I had a very hard time adjusting and like I guess finding my people, which like eventually I did, but it was just me like I didn't know like a lot of people were coming from Temple I guess I guess Temple's a big school so they didn't really some of them people knew each other I guess but I guess a lot of other people were kind of in the same boat but at least they had that area in common they were like oh yeah Temple like I know this hall or that hall or like yeah I know this professor or like you know like at least they had that like area in common I was the only person from San Diego there was one other girl she did homestay though so she was like living two hours away from campus and I didn't really know her that well. Like even in school, I had, I only knew of her name because I knew she was the only person from my school going to Japan. And so I was like, okay, well, you know what? Like if I can go through this, I can do anything. So my dad dropped me off. He was like, you're going to love it. It's clean. It's like, you know, so efficient. My dad, my dad's argument for Japan was that everything worked. Every, he had two arguments. There's a direct flight from LA to t- Tokyo which we didn't even end up taking. So I was like, this is terrible argument. And second was that um, he said, like, everything works in Japan. I was like, well, I'm like, that doesn't convince me to go. I'm like, so I'm like, I've been to country. Like, if you've ever been to India, nothing works in India, but it's still fun. Like, you know, and half the stuff in this country where it doesn't work either. It's like the government, for example, but I don't want to get into that. Um and so I was like, why? W-? Anyway, so I ended up going. My dad came to drop me off. Um, and everyone cried. Like when I left, my sister cried the night before. My mom cried at the airport. My dad kept everything together until the minute he left me in my dorm. He like broke down and started crying. And I was like, guys, <laughs> I was like, guys, I am not I mean, it was really sweet. I understand. I understand because I never left for college. So they never really had that moment. And so that was really emotional for everyone. The first couple of weeks in Japan, I experienced, as usual, like a lot of culture shock, a lot of culture shock. And the moment I knew I was going through culture shock was when I went to the Tokyo Tower after the first day of classes. It was a Monday night. 
and I went with this girl named Katie. Katie, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. Um, and I went with this girl, Katie, after our business class. And we just walked to Tokyo Tower because it was so close from our uh, our building. And I remember going up. First of all, like I was so out of place the first two weeks because everyone in San Diego only wears like leggings and like Lululemon jackets and like sneakers and like flip flops. Okay. Nobody dresses like that in Tokyo. Everyone is super professional. Every woman is curated and tailored from head to toe. Hair is done. Makeup is done. Clothes are nice. Shoes are nice. Like, you know, and so I was like, wow, like I was walking with flip flops and a backpack and I was like, this is weird. I was like, I'm so out of place. So out of place. Like you can't dress like you're on the beach. You're in a city. And that was the first thing where I was like, I don't belong here, like, at all. I was like, why? I was like, I can't wear this outside. So there's literally pictures of me at Tokyo Tower in, like, my Lululemon jacket. (laughs) And it's like, well, you can't wear athletic running clothes out in public if you're not going to athletic run. Like, that's just a big thing that I realized where I was like, okay, nobody dresses like that here. Um, And so that was interesting. And so um, eventually over time, I think that changed for me where I like, instead of having a backpack, I carried like a bag, like a black bag on the side. And um, another thing, I'll get back to the Tokyo Tower story. But another thing is like in San Diego, I never check the weather. I don't even have the weather app because it's always 72 and sunny. And like, if it's going to rain, you find out like three days ahead of time because everybody's talking about it, you know? So, like, I think one time I, like, left and everyone had an umbrella and I was, like, is it going to rain? And, like, I didn't have an umbrella because I was just, like, and I came in summer, so, like, not then, but, like, halfway through. And there were so many times where, like, it was raining and I had no clue at all. And I was just unprepared because I was not in the habit of checking the weather or knowing what was going to happen. So, I was, like, very not suited for, like different weather patterns which is like a downside of growing up in San Diego the positive is that you always have great weather but the downside is you go anywhere else you're screwed (laughs) so it's true um that was like very different different for me um and so when I went to Tokyo Tower I remember like going up and seeing the whole view of Tokyo from there and I remember just like not being amazed and I knew that it was something like that that would amaze me I love cities I love views like I love like the New York vibe I love the Tokyo vibe now obviously but like in that first week I was like this I was like I don't understand and I think the problem was I didn't understand anything that was going on around me like my friend and I would go into a coffee shop and we try to order coffee and we couldn't because like I didn't even know what to say or then they couldn't talk to me and I couldn't talk to them so like Because, like, some restaurants, like, or coffee shops, like, even if you want to sit down and, like, there's, like, a fee for sitting down. Like, you can't just sit. You have to order something, like, minimum, you know? So, that was one thing that was, like, that was one thing that was, like, okay, this is really frustrating. And I feel really out of place. And I can't. I don't understand like how to communicate with anybody and I don't know like I don't understand what's going on around me and I told Katie that I was like Katie like I am not impressed by this whatsoever which is so 
like conceited to I mean it wasn't conceited I was just like I don't feel anything like I don't have any emotions like I don't like I don't appreciate this like I'm not here like wow this is so great like I'm like I don't feel at home at all and I miss San Diego a lot the first two weeks and I was like I saw this thing that said convoy and there's a big area in San Diego called convoy where there's like a bunch of Asian food and so I had seen that and I was like okay like you know I was like wow convoy and I like saw it and posted about it and stuff and this guy, I remember, um, he, he, I think, had studied abroad in Japan, like, the, his first semester or something. And I don't know where he was. I think it was back at school, like, and I was in Japan. And we just, like, followed each other because we went to the same university. Like, you know, like, during orientation, you follow everyone. And he was, like, watching my stories. And he, like, DM'd me on Instagram and was like, hey, like, I just want to let you know you missing San Diego right now and like posting about convoy and all of that like that's normal and don't worry about it but trust me give it like one to two weeks or like just a little bit of time and you will start to appreciate and love like what's around you Japan is such a great country and Tokyo is so amazing like just be open to it and just like stay positive and like it'll get better and I didn't even know this guy I don't think I'd ever talked to him before but it was very sweet of him to like even just send me that message and tell me like, hey, I know exactly what you're going through. It's going to be fine. Like, don't worry, you know, um, and like hearing. And so that's kind of what I was like, OK, yeah, maybe I should just stay open and like I, I'll be I'll be fine. Slowly over time, I, I was taking Japanese elements one. So I was like learning how to read, write and speak. And for me, like I don't have a lot of skills at all, but Picking up languages is definitely one of them. And um, that's just because, like, I grew up speaking two different languages with my parents. And so I could, I speak Spanish as well and, like, English, et cetera, obviously. And so learning Japanese was not something that was, like, super, like, speaking it. Because I can, I'm, I'm a, like, audio learner. So, like, I could, I can listen and, like, repeat perfectly. But, like, I had a hard time, obviously, learning the, like, characters and everything. Once I started doing that, though, I felt more like, okay, I own this. Like, I, I can read this. I can understand this. You also talk to people. Japanese people are so nice. Like, I know everyone says that. But, like, in the beginning when I had to meet a friend of mine, I didn't know where something was. And I just showed it to this woman, like, on Google Maps. And she s repeated it back to me in Japanese. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't know what you're saying. And then, like, she dropped everything and walked me to where it was and like that kind of collectivist mindset and like helping each other out that does not happen here in the states like I'm sorry not sorry sorry not sorry it doesn't happen it does not happen so I was just like really really touched by everyone's like kindness and everyone's willingness and there were some people who would like see I would get stared at a lot because I didn't I'm brown and like I don't I'm gaijin which is like foreigner and so you definitely do get stared at for sure I was for sure but you just get over it um and so yeah like I felt like it was such a such a culture shock initially but once I started learning kind of 
the culture and the people and the way it is. Like, I was totally assimilated by, like, October, November. I was, like, bowing and, like, <laughs> bowing, like, thank that I'm every time you enter in a room, you know. So it's just, like, it definitely was something that took time, but it was it was great. Um, so next I wanted to talk about a couple of highlights that happened throughout um, – throughout my time in Japon. Um, I was so lucky to meet a group of people that I consider like my family, literally. I mean, it was just like every night we would meet up on the sixth floor. It was like a group of like five to six of us. Most of them are European. Um, and it was like a group of like one, two, three, four, five guys and like basically two to three girls like me, my friend Alon that I've talked about before. She, I met her in Tokyo. Um, and so like every night we would just like, you know, come home from our long days at school and stuff and like go to the liquor store, grab a beer and like sit around and like talk and like play games and just like hang out. And it was, like, that was the part that we were all so connected and we were all, like, so – it was just, like, we, we we all had such a fun dynamic and we would just spend every night together and do everything together. And, like, we would eat together, like, drink together, talk together. And, like, we had this amazing rooftop in our dorm. Hakusan House is where we stayed. And it was this, such a nice dorm. And I wasn't even going to stay there, actually. I was going to stay at another dorm. And then last minute, they said, if you're under 5'5", five, five, they have beds in Hakusan House. That are, I was like, yes, I'm five feet tall. Like, finally. Something catered towards me in Japan. One of my friends actually made a joke that I was going to be the tallest person there. But that's so racist and so mean. Um, and so, <laughs> so Hakusan House. We had a really, really good group of friends. We had this amazing rooftop. Like, people in the front uh, were so sweet to greet you. Um, you know, and we would just like go on the roof, like in the summers and just like a lot. When I first met these European guys, two of them, Mokdan and Ward, they like smoke, they smoke cigarettes, which is fine. But I, I was like, I looked at them and I was like, the first three weeks I was like popping my inhaler because I couldn't breathe. I was like, okay, am I going to end up addicted to cigs? <laughs> A lot of people in Japan smoke, and these guys smoke too. So I was like, okay, maybe. And then my friend Alon was like popping out cigarettes like everyone, and she still smokes. And when I'm on the phone with her, I can hear her smoking. I'm like, stop. Do you know there's so many vape-related deaths going on right now? Deaths. Deaths. So I was like, okay, I'm going to end up addicted to nicotine <laughs> by the time I leave. Um, and then, like, you also get this sensory association where, like, now every time I smell a cigarette, I think of them. And, like, I think of Japan because I was literally, they were, they were, like, chain smokers. They'd wake up, they'd smoke, they'd drink coffee, use the bathroom, smoke, eat another meal, smoke again, right? Study for, like, an hour, smoke again. It was like that. So, um, I mean, it was just so, it was such a beautiful, like, community. Like, we were just, like, fam. Like, at the end of it, like, we'd share everything with each other. Like, every every day, we'd just do everything together, eat together not sleep together but like you know <laughs> that was just like our dynamic like we were just all it was like 
literally like the show friends. Like it was just all of us together every single day. Um, And that was like such a beautiful community and time that we had together. It was so hard to like leave that. And I was, I wasn't ready at all. Like I wasn't ready. Like when it was time to come back home, I was like, I cried for two weeks straight. Like two weeks before I had to leave, I would like already start crying. Like I would randomly cry in the shower. I'd like randomly cry before I'm going to bed. Like when I'm doing my makeup, cry a little bit. Like just like, cause I was just like not ready. And they were going to stay until February and, um, they were going to stay until February, and Alana and I, the Temple Kids, were going to leave in December. And it was just, like, such a such a painful exit. Anyways, that's not the fun part. The fun part is we had, Alana and I kind of became, como se dice, we kind of became, um, you know, I don't know partners in crime by like the by like my birthday when my birthday came around so my birthday is November 16th she and I threw this I mean it was kind of all of us but we threw we were like okay we're gonna have a party on the roof and this party okay this party that we had was probably I don't know the banger of the season the banger of the season, straight up. We um, told all of our friends, we said, invite every single person you've met in Japan so far. Okay. We were like, we're going to decorate the roof. We're going to use my birthday as an excuse. We're going to talk to the security guard. We're going to cover our bases. I was like, okay, either we're, what, what's the worst that can happen? We know Japan's really strict. We're like, either we're going to get arrested or we'll get deported. Big deal, you know? At least we did it with a bang. <laughs> so we go to this place called Don Quixote, which is like a, um, a huge like Walmart and Target combined. Like it's gigantic. You can get literally anything you think of from like a Louis Vuitton purse to like seeds to like celery to like balloons to like, you know, God knows what. Um, anyways, so... Um, so anyways, we all rent our bikes. They are like our, our uh, dorm had like a bunch of bikes that we could rent. So we all hop on a bike. We're like, all right, guys, let's go. Let's go to Don Quixote, pick up some stuff, right? And um, this was on the day of my birthday, I think. Oh, no, wait. My birthday was on a Thursday. So we all went to McDonald's at midnight. So fun. Um, and uh, we tried to get like a free ice cream or something. Don't this is so Indian like Indian people always try to get everything for free and like whoever wants to fight me on that can meet me outside but like it's true you know and so we were like yeah yeah let's go get a free ice cream and Japanese people are the most sincere people in the world like they will not cheat you for anything if anything they'll apologize if you cheat them like it's just the sweetest thing so we were like yeah, like, let's go get a free ice cream, etc. That was the day. And then we were like, all right, let's throw this banger. So we were asking, we're like, hey, guys, like, how many of your friends are coming? And then, like, our friend Ward was like, oh, I have, like, six people coming. And we were like, wait, what? And then our friend Niklas was like, oh, we, I have, like, I have, like, I invited everyone from Germany, like, 20 people from my end are coming. We were like, okay. <laughs> 
And then we had like a bunch of people from school coming and like we invited like our whole Japanese friend group, like just everyone. By the end of it, you guys, I think we we intended on having like maybe 30 people. We ended up with like 60 people there on the roof, maybe like 15 to 16 different passports, like so many different nationalities, so many different languages. We had the speakers bump in. We had the snacks out. We had the drinks pop in. We had the security guard come up at like 10 p.m. And, you know, I go over them and I'm just like, like I'm just sweet talking him. I give him a little shot of tequila. Everything's fine. You know, I like kind of finessed him to like let us stay up there by like 1030, 1045 because we lived in like a suburban area. So like we couldn't be super loud by like 1130, 12, you know. So we were like, okay. So we had the party on the roof. And if you guys know me, every birthday I make a little bit of a toast. You know, I, I get emotional. I say a couple of words. It's just who I am. So I got up on the planter. We did a little toast. We had everybody, um, you know, surrounded. It was like huge. Like we had so many people. And it was just everyone was there for the booze. It was a good time. We were hanging out. We were partying. Everyone was just like chilling. And then there was one, there's literally like one elevator that goes up to the roof. So at 1045, me and Alon were like, everyone get into a single file line. We're going down. We had everybody lined up and we had like one bellboy like in the elevator. I think it was Chris. And he was standing in the elevator, like ushering people in and out. We had this huge like Ford assembly line going and it was just like perfect. Like it was one of the best nights we had and it was just like this huge rooftop party that you could see the entire view of Tokyo from it. It was just gorgeous. We go downstairs. We hijack the like surround sound speakers in the lobby. It's like 11 p.m. Like there's other people living in this dorm and we hijack the speakers. We're like playing Drake. We're like playing sicko mode. Like everyone's dancing. People are like people are crunk like we're filming everything. There's so many photos from this. Everyone looks good. Like name one thing that could go wrong. And I know you guys are waiting for me to tell you what's going to go wrong. I'll tell you actually what happened. But and then, you know, everyone was there. People had missed the train because because the, the train stopped at midnight and they started at 5 a.m. So like, you know, Hakusan house members, the staff didn't really know the storm that was coming. And I think, frankly, Alon and I, we didn't really know either. Like, we knew it was going to be a lot of people, but we didn't know it was going to be this turnt, you know? So we're hanging out. We're doing our thing. I'd say, like, by 2, 3 a.m., people start passing out. And we're like, okay, well, the party can't end here. The people who are who have survived, what are we going to do? So we like walk to a karaoke spot. We all start singing karaoke and it's like four or five in the morning and we come home and we sleep. The security guard like loved me. And I think he loved like our group too because every day we'd be like konbawa, which means like good evening in Japanese. And that's all he would say. So we called him Mr. Konbawa because he would only say konbawa. I've never heard him say anything else. And so we just called him Mr. Konbawa. And so he like we had a couple of people. There was like a movie room downstairs. He like housed people in the movie room. He opened it up. People were sleeping in there. Like people were sleeping on the couch. Like the staff came in in the morning and these people were just lying on the ground, like <laughs> like lying on the ground from the party the night before. And um, 
And so it was just like, you know, um, I guess like in the morning we found out that um, I guess somebody had clogged the toilet downstairs and like water was like leaking from the toilet, like outside of the toilet, like on into the lobby, which is so disgusting. But like that happened and like somebody had puked somewhere and like there were people passed on the ground and like it was just bad because all these people had to deal with it in the morning, you know, the staff. And we were a little bit inconsiderate of that, I think. Um, and so they kind of sat, I think, me and Alon down before. And then, then we, like, before we left, we were going to throw another banger, like, round two, which wasn't as big. And then the staff got a whiff of it. They were like, oh, my gosh, Rhea's throwing another party. Like, Rhea and Alon are throwing another party. We have to stop it before it gets too crazy. So one of the girls just, like, pulled us aside. And she was like, listen, you guys can do whatever you want. Please don't go out of control. Please don't make it crazy. Last time the toilets got clogged, people were throwing up. People were laying down everywhere. Like, we just, please don't. You know, we were like, listen, girl. Like, no. We're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And it actually wasn't as, like, crazy as last time. And we tried to make it, like, a huge party, but it really wasn't. And actually, our professor showed up for that, and she was hammered. Um <laughs> One of our, like, uh, Japanese professors, we were like, hey, why don't you come and, like, come to our party? And she was really cool. She had, like, done her master's in Oregon here in the States and, like, went back to teach, like, Japanese to us. And she was awesome. And um, and we were like, hey, why don't you come? And she had come from this teacher party. And my friend Noah and I had gone to go get her at the station. And we, like, went to go get her. And she was, like, she, like, slept. And then she ended up throwing up at the station. Like, she was, she was crunk she was super crunk she ended up coming to the party um and so she ended up showing up and I was like oh my god sensei what's up um and that was that was really really fun um but and then the next day the people at the lobby were like thank you so much for keeping the party under control I was like listen we just we just failed okay we tried to make it wild and it didn't work so whatever you're welcome I guess um but yeah, it was just like such a wonderful time. Like everything, the thing is, I think my like final thoughts on this is that the lifestyle in Japan as a study abroad student was so amazing because I had fantastic people around me, like lifelong friends. Um, I think it's a really great country. I mean, it's just like the memories I have there and like, the things I've learned and how to live on your own in a country where nobody speaks English is like a lesson that is so invaluable. And, um, you know, like understanding the diversity that comes. Like I had a lot of culture shock meeting people from Philly too. Like San Diego is such a clean cut. No one has tattoos. Everyone's chilling. Everyone's like white and blonde and like rich. And like, that's just like the way it is. And like, that's fine. But like, that's what I was raised in. And I, I even stay here for college. And so when I went to Phil, like when I went to Tokyo, not only did I have culture shock from people who were Japanese, but also people from Philly where I was like, why is there a tattoo on your leg? And like, why is your hair green? And like, why is your hair blue? And like, why are you posting pictures of like the Target screen? Like, I just weird, you know, like stuff like that where I was like, okay, 
Like, I just didn't understand it. But at the end of it, like, I was in love with those people. And, like, those were the people that made my experience so amazing. And even my friends from Europe and, like, the whole group that we had. And, like, at the end of the day, I think a really big lesson I learned is, like, obviously you know it on paper. But, like, don't, I guess, judge people when you see them at first because, like, you don't know what is there. Like, it definitely opened up my mindset so much to people who... I had never really been around and like learning that people are people and like it was so great like I even went and like saw them for a reunion in March and like literally flew to Philly and like experienced that and it was so different so different from San Diego it's like a whole different world um and hopefully we're gonna have a reunion next year for our Europe friends too but um I think for the final words of wisdom is that if you're studying abroad you know, really step out of your comfort zone. I think I was really forced to step out of my comfort zone because I had no other choice. But step out of your comfort zone because that's where the most growth will come out of. And travel as much as you can. And this is so hard, but really live in the moment. Like when I left, I was sobbing. Like I was sobbing. And my friend Alon, when she left two days before I did, we were crying the whole way to the airport. Like we were waiting to get our boarding pass. We were crying. And like, how lucky are we to have a goodbye that hard? You know? Like to to cry so much when you leave a group of people. Like that's how I think I like to use the term in love. But like that's how in love we all were with like our lives there in our bubble and like the time we had. And I think we all really miss that. Um And I remember the first night I came back to San Diego, I, like, definitely cried because I was just, like, not ready to be back, you know? Um, But, you know, like, you, that's life and you have to move on. And um, it was, I'm just so grateful to have an experience like that. I would say if you're studying abroad and you're listening to this, um, try to make friends that, uh, you know, that you feel like may be your friend for for life because that is like when you're in a moment like that and you're studying abroad, it's, it's an experience that you guys share together and that is really precious, as cheesy as it sounds. Um, and that's kind of it, I, I guess I have to say. Um, at a year ago at this time, I was just settling in into Japan and so... I felt like it was an appropriate episode to do, and it's the 10th episode, so everything kind of falls together, you know? I need to stop saying you know so much. That's kind of it, guys. Thank you so much for um, for coming on the pod, for listening to episode 10. Have a wonderful week, and uh, thank you for tuning in, and leave a review. If I get to 25 reviews, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an episode with my dad, so peace.